I'm Kim. I'm Megs. Welcome to the At Woods End podcast. <laughs> We're recording. <laughs> Kittens can be real assholes. <laughs> Why are we here? What have I done? Who am I? Who am I? I only show. Oh right. my gosh! Ah, okay. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Elsa. I don't know, is that even a word? Welcome back to the Atwoods End podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Megs. And this episode is technically our very first Valentine's Day episode, as last year we didn't officially begin until March. Valentine's Day is one of those Hallmark card holidays that you either love or you absolutely hate. And personally, like I'm kind of someone who sits somewhere around the middle with my thoughts, <laughs> but we kind of started brainstorming about how we wanted to shape this episode and decided we wanted to take a bit of a different approach. So in a moment, we'll be joined by special guest Kat, the founder of Wholehearted, an experiential agency focused on increasing employee engagement through experiences that align with company values and community needs. And we're going to just talk about her work, herself, and our own thoughts about Cupid and whether or not he's stupid. Did you like that? I was really fond of that line. <laughs> so <laughs> I had the pleasure of working with Kat for the wedding that we never had because of COVID. And at the time, Kat was running her own wedding coordination business and was literally my rock. Okay, my fiance, Tilo, nothing like Kat. If I had to describe Kat for everyone, <laughs> so they get a visual. My husband, nothing like my rock. <laughs> not for wedding planning, at least. <laughs> But yeah, for everybody to get a visual, think Kate Middleton slash the older sister you wish you had slash the Swedish person slash someone who could definitely give a firm scolding to a wedding vendor who's trying to scam you. And with that intro, let's welcome Kat at Wits End. Hi, Kat. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Uh, hi. Thank you so much for probably the best introduction <laughs> I'll ever have. <laughs> but I'm so excited to be here with you. I was listening to a few episodes throughout the week, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> I'm so excited. First things first, tell us a little bit about Wholehearted. Yeah, so Wholehearted has been my labor of love probably over the past 12 to 18 months. Through COVID, I made a lot of changes in my career and just in what I wanted to do with my life. And after a very successful nonprofit initiative, which started again during the pandemic, I thought, I think a lot of these concepts can be applied to the workforce and the workplace. Now we are basically using corporate events as a mechanism to drive social impact initiatives in the community. And in turn, it's bringing employees closer together and hopefully happier at the companies where they work. Oh, we love that. Yeah. So when I, as I mentioned, we first connected when you were running your wedding coordination and planning business, I guess. And I think Tilo and I were one of the last clients that you had before you were officially closing up shop. So what made you kind of decide to leave the wedding industry in the first place? Yeah, you were, and you were such a pleasure, and I'm so sad that things didn't work out as planned. (laughs) We won't go there today. (laughs) But yes, I did make the decision. It was actually a couple years ago now where I was getting ready to close my wedding planning business, but because of the pandemic, so much got extended that I didn't actually, you know, finish the weddings I had booked until last fall because things just got rebooked. But essentially, I think I had so much fun doing what I was doing, but it was all evenings and all weekends. And, you know, you get through different seasons in your life. And in this one, 
I was ready to make a different kind of impact and also just have a different availability for my family life. Yeah. (laughs) Evenings and weekends are like the most disastrous (laughs) scheduling too. That's, it's definitely tough. Yeah. Yeah. I've worked in events like really, really briefly for like a year after I graduated. And that was always the biggest thing for me too, that I was like, I love doing this. It's so much fun. But at the same time, like I'm working till midnight (laughs) a lot of the time and I'm working on weekends and where is my life in the end of all of this? Many people don't realize how much goes into it. And when your clients all work nine to five, everything you do is after five. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of swapped that way. Yeah. Exactly. What did the journey look like for you to wholehearted? And like, what was the inspiration behind the name? Because like, I love it. It reminds me of like Brene Brown. I don't know if you've read her book, The <laughs> Gifts of Imperfection, but her whole focus of research is on people who she's found to be able to live wholeheartedly and kind of analyzing what traits they share. And like, it's a really great book. And your name just reminds me of that same whole concept, because a lot of it is around like community and giving back and knowing when to ask for help, just building that sense of togetherness, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love Brene Brown. So that's a compliment. (laughs) Thank you. But how I got to wholehearted really was through that nonprofit initiative. So to give you sort of the the background scoop at the height of COVID, Jake and I, my husband, were watching the news. They were profiling an ICU nurse and what her day kind of looks like getting home from a 14 or 16 hour shift, taking off her scrubs in the garage, basically sanitizing everything before she goes into the house where her family has been you know, living, isolating. And I just thought, oh my gosh, we are so lucky that, you know, yes, we have some stresses, but they're so different than the stresses of the frontline workers, especially at that initial period of the shock of everything. And I know things have evolved since then. But at that time, I thought, oh my gosh, there has to be something that we can do for these people. And the way to my heart is through food. So I thought (laughs) maybe, (laughs) maybe we could do the same for them. And so in support of catering, who had lost all of their business or restaurants that were closed, we were purchasing lunches through funds we had raised just in our community. We purchased lunches through them. We wrote a handwritten note that, again, the the messaging came from donors. And then we were delivering them to frontline workers in our community as sort of just like an uplift and we're thinking of you and we hope you get have time for a healthy meal today. Mm -hmm. And the initial goal was to do a a Fuel the Superheroes week, which would be one week of a 100 lunches delivered every day. And we ended up doing seven weeks and close to 3,000 lunches. Oh, wow. Wow. So so that was awesome. And that whole experience just showed me that people really do build a sense of community when they do good things together and give back together. And at the same time, with all of these employees working remote or working hybrid, all of that connection was, you know, reducing and and, and gone. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought there has to be a way to take this idea of connecting through doing good things together and apply it to the workplace. And my belief around that was so strong. And I kept using the word wholehearted. And when I looked up wholehearted, it says characterized by sincerity and full commitment. And I felt like that is exactly how I feel (laughs) about this um, initiative. So that's where the, the, the name came from. Since then, I've had the opportunity to work with so many different companies doing either 
virtual programs or small in-person programs, you know, when we can. And each one of them has a give back community component. Yeah, I was just going to say that one of the things that really resonates so strongly with me about Wholehearted is the fact that, you know, the social impact in the communities are closely tied in with the experiences that you provide. And that's really different than your your typical, you know, team bonding experiences. You go laser tagging or something and it's like, yeah, it's yeah, fine. But, you know, so so why was that so important for you? Just because of the pandemic and the non or the nonprofit or, or where did that come in? I think in general, the world just needs more good right now. And I know that that's such a blanket statement and maybe cheesy, um, but there really just is this need to do better for our mental health, for the mental health of others. A lot of statistics show that in the millennial generation, that corporate culture and social impact is a huge factor of why they choose to work or stay within an organization is that company's purpose. Yeah. And I just thought the days of writing a big check and taking your picture and not knowing where it goes and not including everyone in that are kind of not gone because that's still really important. But I do think there's a different way to mm-hmm. involve people and have a really hands-on approach in where the money is going. You touched on mental health being like a part of it too. And like, even for our own wellness, I know there's a doctor, I think her name is Sandra Dalton. She has these like seven types of rest. And one of them is is spiritual rest. And a lot of people, you know, tie that to spirituality, but a lot of it is linked to like volunteerism and like just having a a community and building that purpose like outside yourself and I think in the pandemic that's something that a lot of people have lost is that like sense of spiritual rest and being able to feel a part of something again because we've all been so isolated that building these experiences especially in like the corporate world where we people that were used to being in the office every day and like seeing their colleagues and now it's like these zoom happy hours that no one really wants to go to because you're not getting the same kind of (laughs) reward that you would get from maybe catching up with someone face to face or going to grab a coffee and so being able to tie that connection with that sense of rest that a lot of us aren't even getting anymore I think is so important it's often said that if you're going through something difficult, you know, if you're grieving or if you're, you know, gone through a breakup or something, that one of the best ways to kind of keep your mind off of things is to help other people. It fills your heart to to do things. And, you know, this kind of ties into that Friends episode when, when Joey and Phoebe are having a whole, I think it's Joey and Phoebe, about, you know, whether or not there's a true selfless act, you know, because when, <laughs> yes. you, when you do yes. good things, you feel good <laughs> too. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's how you feel when you know that you're making an impact and you're actually doing something that's further than like a surface level, oh, here's a check, you know, that, that it makes everybody feel a little bit better and it, and it adds a, a real deeper meaning and feeling to what you're doing, right? Absolutely. It's so true. And I love that episode because it really does show (laughs) just like the full circle-ness of when you do good for others, you're also doing good for yourself. Yeah, Um, but not in a negative way. Like it's okay. Not in a negative way. (laughs) It's okay to help somebody and then feel good. That's probably the better way to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I guess that really brings us to the question at the heart of this episode, which like absolutely no pun intended there. Yeah. But like, can, can this whole episode's a giant you, pun, okay? I know. <laughs> but like, can either of you see Valentine's Day making a shift from this greeting card holiday to a day where you spread love by looking towards the community and like looking towards beyond just your your one kind of like intimate partner relationship to, to something greater and maybe even being able to share that with your partner? 
I love this question and this concept so much because I think Valentine's Day is such an opportunity. Like if you're not going to do this on a regular basis or you can't do this on a regular basis, if you're going to pick one day, mm-hmm. what a what a better way to spend Valentine's Day than to like spreading the love to others. And funny enough, last Friday, my husband and I were like, you know what? It's been so long since we've been like out on a date, either because everything's closed yeah. <laughs> or just because we've been really busy. And so we were like, okay, let's order lunch today. And we'll like turn off our computers, turn off our phones, and we'll just have a nice lunch and and have a little mini date. But funny enough, on our way (laughs) to go run some errands that morning, we saw this post on Instagram about a community fridge here in Kitchener-Waterloo. Yes, yeah. The fridge was completely empty. The pantry was completely empty. And our lunch date turned into going to the grocery store buying groceries, going to to the community fridge. We filled the fridge. We filled the pantry. There were already six people there waiting for like that day's donations. And it was just like such a great way, I think, to just do something different, but do it together. And it also made us feel really good and also feel a little bit like closer to each other. Oh my gosh. Okay, we're renaming (laughs) this episode to Wholehearted with Mother Teresa. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, am I crying? I think I'm crying. (laughs) No, I mean, honestly, I am not perfect. Nobody's perfect. I love a good date night or like flowers for no reason, for sure. Yep. But, but it was just like a really, I think, nice spin to our day that we didn't expect. And I think if you're looking for plans for Valentine's Day, that's a great option. Well, and I think there's something too about building not building a new skill, but maybe like stepping outside your comfort zone with with your like partner or even a friend, like whatever, you know, whoever you want to spend that day with. But I know like when I was working at Laurier after I graduated, one of the things we did at Christmas time was they pick somewhere to volunteer as a as a team as part of their kind of like just like Christmas celebrations, whatever. And so we had gone to a shelter in Kitchener and we were helping in the kitchen preparing meals. I think I was like stuffing their Christmas turkeys all (laughs) afternoon and I was just so like not something I had it wasn't something I had ever done before but right (laughs) yeah and like in doing that though and like with the couple of my team members that I had gone with we were more close by the end of it because we were like oh none of us really know what we're doing but we're like trying and we're getting involved in something completely new and now we have this shared experience that has brought us closer together and I think that's something important yeah yeah and like going back to your question right like if Valentine's Day doesn't shift from what it is now, then I'm I'm going on record and saying that it will it will never live up to its potential. You know, that like hopefully it does take some steps in a direction kind of away from like a greeting card holiday. Cause as of right now, it has so little substance. You buy some chocolates, you spend too much on flowers, and then what if you don't have somebody in your life, you get to feel terrible. Which actually, yeah. side note, I just thought, you know, it'd be really cute to do on Valentine's Day? Donate blood together. Yeah. Get your yeah, heart pumping for the community. <laughs> the new initiative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Why don't they do that? That's such a good, I can already see the marketing for it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Totally. 
And it's so true. Like, why not turn that day into just overall a feel-good day? And if you are going to buy chocolates or flowers or whatever, why not buy them from, like, a local small business that you want to support and enjoy them with a friend or with your family or a spouse or whoever it is. But I just don't think it needs to be that pressure or, like you said, that hallmark um, sort of inside the box, like, oh, I have to do this for this person. Yeah, jewelry, flowers, (laughs) chocolates. Yep. Yeah. And then yeah. other things <laughs> later on. <laughs> Actually, I read I read a fact that most people are like, skip the presents, just get to the sex. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> flowers. Amazing. <laughs> like one of the more positive things about like this specific love-related holiday too is that like quite often you get people who maybe aren't the greatest communicators on a normal day and so like when you have this date that's kind of painted as like a a designated outlet for you know your loving thoughts and feelings it like almost ensures that that dialogue happens like in one way or another or like opens the door for communication in that way and like what are your thoughts on that Mm -hmm. I mean personally I any type of communication around your feelings should just come naturally when Mm -hmm. it feels Mm -hmm. right to you I like the concept of it being an opportunity to to start that conversation but I don't necessarily love the pressure that a lot of people feel feel around that or that it leads other people to feel like they're not getting that if they're not in a relationship at that time. But one quote that I read the other day that I really loved was that all the things we say at funerals, we should say at birthday parties instead. Um, And that is, I just thought like it really stuck with me because it's like, we don't share our feelings or our appreciation for others enough. And a lot of us save it for when people are not even there anymore to, to hear it and appreciate it. Whether it's Valentine's Day or a birthday or any type of celebration, I think if you're comfortable and you're ready to share all those great things about that person with them. Yeah. And like going totally off that, agree. like, I think that sometimes too, like life will get in the way, right? And depending on maybe your love language and your style of communication, I want to say that in general, a lot of men don't have as great of like an emotional maturity or understanding to convey those feelings as they come up. So sometimes you don't even realize that you're not watering your flowers per se. Mm-hmm. In one way, I do kind of agree that the pre- like all oh, the pressure and everything, that's that's not needed. But at least if there's, you know, instead of like how you said to say it at birthdays, well, maybe say it on Valentine's Day too, if you're not trying to actively include it in your daily life, which you should be, right? Because that's important to kind mm-hmm. of convey in one way or another. It doesn't necessarily have to be through affirmation or through words, but maybe the things that you're doing. And I guess this gets back to our love languages episode that we did way, yeah. way, way back when. But yeah. <laughs> well, and I think too sure. that like the bringing it back to like the, the community piece, it's it's about making an effort or like seeing the day as an opportunity to make an effort in some way to like bring that bring you closer together and like I totally agree I think that the pressure around feeling like you have to say something isn't necessarily the most healthy always especially because if you don't get that you may be getting it on other days but when you you build up this oh I need to like I don't get some sort of grand gesture or like a big conversation then when you don't get it it falls flat and you almost end up more disappointed than you need to be because you've built up this pressure like I feel like people do similar things around New Year's too where like it's like if you don't have this grand plan for New Year's you're miserable and it's like there's nothing wrong with a quiet night (laughs) at home but you've built up this 
Have you ever had a good New Year's where you're like, this is the best New Year's Eve ever? I, I can't say that I've had a memorable – every year I'm like, that's so, so stupid. I'm very big on the, the yeah. first day of the year, but yeah. New Year's Eve is always like – I have the had – Expectations are just never mapped. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think – my my favorite New Year's was the first year that a couple friends and I were like, we all hate New Year's. Why are we like even trying to like make these plans? And one of my friends was like, just come over. I'm going to make a ton of food. We're going to all put like sweats on and we're going to sit around and we're going to talk and we're going to have like drinks and food. And that was that's my best New Year's is like there was no expectations. And we all just like we went to bed shortly after midnight and we were in our like matching pajamas and it was just like the best night. And I think that that's the thing is like when you release those expectations and similarly with like Valentine's Day, if you release the idea that it has to be flowers and chocolates and whatever and say like, oh, instead, we're going to volunteer together or instead we're going to like you know go for a walk like make dinner together instead of like ordering in or whatever you know that is it you have such a bigger opportunity to make that day something that's more fulfilling yeah yeah I love that okay so I guess that does wrap up the first segment of the show so we are going to play a little true and false the valentine's day edition are you guys ready (laughs) ready. I'm ready Okay. (laughs) Question one, true or false? The infamous conversation candy, so pieces of candy with the lovely or like little flirty phrases, they were developed in 1966 by Daniel Chase. The candies, however, did not become heart-shaped until 1972. I'm going to say false. I feel like it's true. Kat, you are correct. So the infamous conversation candies were developed in 1866, and then they didn't become heart-shaped until 1902. Huh. I didn't know they were that old. I thought they were, like, made in the 90s, and I was like... Yeah, I associate them with, like, early 2000s. And, like, you know how there's, like, there's two different kinds of those heart-shaped candies, because there's the ones that are, like, you know, the classic Mm, ones that you got at, like, yeah, the ones that are, like, chalk. So good. That that you get at, like, you know, in elementary school, you'd get them on Valentine's Day from your classmates. And then there's the ones that come in, like, like a tube, almost like rockets. They're, like, oversized rockets, and those ones are so much more superior to the ones that are actually heart differ. I agree with Kenny. You Thank you. Wrong. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's good. I have someone to back me up on our disagreement this week. <laughs> not gonna get you far, Kim. She's not here next week. <laughs> okay. Question two: True or false? History's first Valentine was written from prison. Charles, Duke of Orleans, wrote a love letter to his second wife at the age of twenty-one while captured at the Battle of Agincourt. As a prisoner for more than twenty years, he would never see his Valentine's reaction to the poem he penned to her in the early 15th century i'm gonna go with true i don't know i'm learning so much if that's true but i think it's false again (laughs) it is true okay (laughs) yeah so i i was like looking up the the poem but it's long and in old english and i was like yeah that's we'll skip it but yeah so okay question three true or false there is still confusion about which saint valentine inspired the holiday there are at least two Valentines that the holiday may honor. Oh, I did not know that. You don't know if it's true or false. So maybe no, you did not know, know that. True, first. true because <laughs> true. I'm going with true, though. <laughs> I think it's false. I think there's just one. It's true. 
So <laughs> the, the, the first one was like 5th century AD in Rome because basically there was, I don't know what was illegal about marriages, but a bishop was marrying people in secret and he would give them little cut out hearts to for the men to remember their vows and to save them from being enlisted in like the Roman pagan army. And then the second one was a little bit later on. I wish I had it. Hang on. But yeah, there's two of them. So yeah, I didn't know that either. Valentine was a pretty popular name. And because, you know, they've been celebrating Valentine's Day for quite some time. Prior to that, it was a Roman kind of festival in the spring. But yeah, so Valentine's Day, like many other religious holidays, kind of took over a pagan celebration. As a common name, it, the fact that Valentine was like such a common name, can you ever imagine that having like a resurgence now where like all of a sudden everybody's naming their baby Valentine? Why? I feel like Gucci <laughs> would be all over that shit and they would, you know, Gucci's top model, Valentine Saint Laurent, or maybe not Saint Laurent. But- <laughs> I, it's interesting how like names, like if we were to read some kind of old names that have made it back into popularity now, it's just mm-hmm. like sometimes like, ew. Why I don't mind Valentine actually as like a girl's name because like Val is a cute like short form really? of that. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I associate that with somebody who's not very nice. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. As a men's name, I just, or like a more masculine name, I just imagine it being like this Harlequin romance novel, like unbuttoned white shirt, like (laughs) long hair. It's like, ooh, Valentine. (laughs) I picture that too. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I'm seeing like a Valentine, like Vector from Despicable Me when he's like, magnitude and direction, Vector. Wow, we're on on, like totally different wavelengths. (laughs) I don't know if I'd be attracted (laughs) to Valentine is all I'm saying. But okay, so question four. True or false, during the Victorian era, those who didn't want attention of certain suitors would anonymously send a bucket of horse excrements to the suitor's door, comically insulting and rejecting unwanted admirers. <laughs> I'm going to say true because it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say true as well and also I might take it up. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring this back. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's false in the sense that it wasn't horse poo, but they were called vinegar valentines and they discouraged suitors during this era. So those who didn't want the attention of those suitors would anonymously send these vinegar valentines, which they were also called penny dreadfuls and did the same thing where they're just basically insulting and rejecting whoever. Unfortunately, they were later on used to target suffragettes suffragettes? Like the suffragettes? Suffragettes in the late 19th and 20th centuries, which is they weren't doing like we're just trying to get the vote. It's a TV show called Penny Dreadful. Or yeah, there was so that's, a TV show called Penny Dreadful. That's the connection to that. I think horse poo would be a lot funnier, especially in Victorian England. Like, very easily attainable. Would yeah. send the message, you stink, I'm not into it, so... <laughs> Leave and just like alone. so you know you know there'd just be like a group of girls out in like the horse pasture like giggling filling up a bucket being like hey, we're gonna leave that on valentine's oh, door yeah. <laughs> i mean it would get the point across i think but yeah i okay. think so too question five true or false americans spend 21 billion dollars on valentine's day in 2020 probably mm, true yeah yeah it's false, guys. It was $27 billion. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That's a lot of billions on just stupid shit. On stuff. <laughs> on, like, t- on, like, cheap Walmart teddy bears and 
chocolate. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> anyway, so that does wrap up this part of the show. So again, <laughs> thank you so much, Kat, for joining us today and being on our show. Yes, thank you so much. This was such a good conversation. And like, I was so, I have heard so much about you through Maggie's wedding planning yeah. process that <laughs> it was so nice to finally, finally meet the Kate Middleton sister that everybody, everybody wants. And do you want to tell everyone where they can find you online? Sure. Website is www.givewholehearted.com. And then I am on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn as Team Wholehearted because there hopefully are a few additions coming this way. But thank you both so much. This was such a great way to spend a Friday morning. And I hope you both have a really fun and fulfilling Valentine's Day. (laughs) You too. (laughs) Thank you. And now for the final segment of our show... The <laughs> okay, <laughs> that was really fun. <laughs> Before I get to the philomath, cat's great. For today's philomath, we are talking about sneezes. First thing, if I were to sneeze, what would you say, Kim? Bless you. Or some variation of that. Have you ever thought of why we are blessing someone when they sneeze? I mean, yes, in like just like the general sense of like what a strange thing that we do, but like I've never like second guessed it. Firstly, God bless you. There's a few different points of origin. It may have originated with the belief that your soul left your body when you sneezed and that evil spirits could enter unless a blessing was bestowed upon you. <laughs> or, and more likely, humans are crazy. <laughs> like- <laughs> well, think about it before. <laughs> It was it was the Middle Ages. They, they thought a whole lot of Yahoo, you know, and yeah, we still think a whole lot of Yahoo. I we think, do, and I'm I'm pretty sure in another hundred years we're gonna be like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, yeah, probably the main reason is that it was thought that your heart would stop momentarily during a sneeze, essentially killing you for just an instant. So you needed to be blessed. One rational explanation for this exaggerated attention paid towards sneezing actually comes from the sixth century when the black plague killed half the population of Europe. Sneezing was unfortunately a symptom of the disease, and it was viewed as a sign of impeding death. People thus began to say bless you in hopes that the sneezer would not succumb to the infection, or some say as a final blessing. Although it may seem that your heart takes a break during a sneeze, this is not actually the case. When you first inhale before sneezing, the pressure in your chest increases. Then, as you exhale, forcefully during the sneeze, the pressure then drops. So the electrical activity in your heart marches on unimpeded, so you remain very much alive throughout your sneeze. But alterations in your blood flow to the heart produced by these pressure changes can affect your heart rate. And so if you're short on cash this Valentine's Day, just make someone sneeze and you'll cause them to potentially skip a beat. (laughs) That was such a good tie-in. Thank you. Thank you. I also like you know what one of my biggest phobias is is when, when you have to sneeze and you're driving and you're like oh my god and you're like I have to sneeze there's no stopping this I gotta close my eyes like I can't sneeze with my eyes open yeah and, like that gets my heart rate going okay if so you want it. fun fact you don't actually need to close your eyes to sneeze either but like you just want to so badly yeah. so and like and then I end nose. up with this like squinty like yeah. I'm driving and trying so hard not to sneeze. Yeah, so technically the your nose and your eyes are connected and so it's a pretty involuntary response, but there are certain people that can actually sneeze with their eyes open just faulty connections like, what have you that would be so terrifying to watch <laughs> <laughs> and they're just locked eyes with you yeah horrifying <laughs> look how look at my strength 
Yeah, it's like it's like a power move. I don't like. I think it would make me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, you can even hold your eyes open. Like it's your eyes want to close, right? So it's not it's yeah. not the norm to have eyes that can stay open like during the sneeze. But yes, it definitely is a possibility. I learned a lot about sneezing, but I was like, no, no, we're gonna tie it in with the heart because that's perfect. <laughs> I was initially gonna tie in. So I remember hearing this story, but I cannot find proof of it online anywhere. I've tried so many different variations because that was the film that I wanted to do. So I'm going to share it anyways. This may or may not be true, but I heard it from another person who I would take as a pretty reliable source many years ago. But mm -hmm. it's basically about like short and sweet can get the job done and you don't have to go overboard for Valentine's Day. So basically, I'm pretty sure it was at Harvard or one of like the major universities in the US, they held a short story competition first. And I, there was like a cash prize. And the whole idea was that you had to write a short story that included religion, scandal, royalty, like all of these really big topics. And the winning story was, oh my God, the king is dead. The queen is pregnant. So who is the father? Oh, Right? But I can't find, I can't find a legitimate source of it anywhere. So if anybody ever, like, stumbles upon that, let me know because I, I remember that line so clearly and I heard it like over a decade ago, but it's always like stuck with me. And it's one of those things that I often, not often, but once in a while I'll tell this story, but now I'm, I need to fact check my own self and, <laughs> and I'm in a position. Yeah, it reminds me of those, like, I feel like on like Tumblr in high school. It was like, tell a story in, six words and oh, like yeah, one yeah, of yeah. them one of them i can't i can't remember the exact wording but it was something along the lines of baby shoes for sale never worn <laughs> okay and like like that was the whole Do the whole story and like there was like a bunch of them but you know it's what the so shortest interesting. complete sentence in the english language is no i am oh right mm-hmm and then I was thinking about it. I was like, when have I ever, I am. I'm like, wow, the power, <laughs> branding, <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> I am. Yeah. And it has, a, it has like a weight to it too. The other thing that I should have mentioned when Kat was on, when I was looking at that, like wholehearted as a name is like an onomatopoedia where like, I feel like the, the heart is hugging something, something physical is happening when I say wholehearted. It feels like a hug or it feels like being embraced. Do you find that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. It's a good word. You like, yeah, the, that Brene Brown book is like such a good read for anyone who's, you know, like, likes a good, not self-help book, but like just about like living better. And it's, it's kind of about. Expanding when yourself. She, yeah. Yeah. And when she was writing about it, cause like uh, she does a lot of study of human behavior is basically like her background. And when she was doing a lot of this, like wholehearted living, she was saying that she had to do a lot of like work on, on herself because she had had this like epiphany that she was like not, she was almost resistant to some of the like behaviors that they were exhibiting because she knew she wasn't exhibiting them. And like, it was oh. something that she would need to shift and work on, but it all went back to what she defined find as these people who just like naturally have have created these lives of like wholehearted living and like what when you look at all of them what are these characteristics that they share and like a lot of them are like pretty unexpected characteristics That's, but it's a good it's not a super yeah. long read you know what we'll, but we'll a, add it to one. the show notes plus additional information on wholehearted and how you can connect with cat so anybody who has teams or anything also it's so funny that this that we decided to do this episode kim and i have been writing a whole heck of a lot of employees team building experiences for different cities in the u.s mm -hmm. right and so 
I know a lot yeah, of team building. Oh my god, yeah, so many, so many. But it's funny because a lot of the team building things that we've been writing about don't even touch on that community involvement. No, aspect. not at all. And I think that that's such a like it is such a it is such a missed opportunity to do something that gives back gives back to the community and also gives back to your employees in a way that maybe a lot of companies are missing right now because I think there is something about that feeling you get when you feel like you've done good for other people that is like hard to capture with like axe throwing you know yeah yeah (laughs) like it's just it's something that we don't get a lot in our day-to-day lives like unless you're doing like i paid it forward at tim hortons or like yeah where do you whatever the case may be where are you getting that in your day-to-day life and i think a lot of us even just like individually could ask that question about what we could be doing to incorporate a little more of that exactly that does wrap up this episode so we wish everybody a very happy valentine's day and we hope that it is fulfilling and wonderful and you can follow us on instagram yeah at at (laughs) you can follow us on instagram at at wits end podcast and until next episode bye bye bye